Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to show number 261 from Engage for Success, intriguingly uh, entitled Values in a Wicked World. I'm host for today's show. I'm Joe Moffat, uh, one of the regular hosts for uh, Engage for Success. And for those of you who don't know me, I am Managing Director and Founder of Woodread. And at Woodread, we use the power of brand and the techniques and tools that marketeers use with external audiences. But we use those to engage internally and help to create high-performing high cultures. Um, and today's show, um, as I say, Values in a Wicked World. Um, and to help to discuss that, I'm very pleased to be joined by our guest, Professor Caroline Parker, from uh, Glasgow Caledonian University. Uh, welcome to the show, Caroline. Hi, uh, lovely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Now, we first met um, earlier this year, didn't we? Um, that we had a, a, an event, a, a full-day uh, event looking at employee engagement that was jointly organised by Engage for Success and also uh, the Cabinet Office and the, the Cabinet Office Civil Service um, Day, really. I and mean, it, it was a fabulous session. We had a lot of really high-profile speakers um, and a lot of people sharing case studies about how they had uh, developed uh, engagement with their workforces and, the, and how they had gone about it. And it was really listening to you talking about that in one of the breakout sessions, Caroline. I'm afraid I nabbed you, didn't I? And um, <laughs> You grabbed me. I think what you've got to say is going to be of interest to a wider audience than, than those who are just here today. So um, it was great that you've agreed to come on the show and, and talk a little bit more about the work that you've done at Glasgow Caledonian and the, the journey that you've been on. And clearly not a journey that is necessarily, these journeys are never actually ever finished, are they? Um, but it'd be great to uh, talk about that a little bit more. But before we do that, um, perhaps just a little bit of an introduction as, as as to you, have you been in academia all your professional life? Well, I was a bit of a late starter into the working world. I had my fair time on the old um, employment unemployment register. Uh-huh, um, but when right. I did finally enter education as a mature student, um, I started off in research and then I entered into academia full time. And I've been in academia probably about 25 years now, maybe a little over. I don't like right. to think too far back. Right, right. Now, obviously, one one thing that's going to become clear as we go through uh, uh, the next sort of half hour is that you are not um, a specialist in values or a specialist in um, culture and HR. This is this is um, something that you 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 you're going to tell us a little bit more about. Um, but um, I would love it if you could just sort of position for our listeners before we start talking specifically. Um, this concept of the wicked world. I mean, I'm intrigued by this concept. What, what do you actually mean by a wicked problem? Because um, I, I like the idea of that. It's, it's a lovely phrase, isn't it? I mean, it? it doesn't mean evil. I think we should say that at the offset. By wicked, okay. um, we're talking about something which is quite hard to resolve. It's mm-hmm. a complicated problem. Um, it's mm-hmm. something which has a lot of variables, a lot of interdependencies. Mm-hmm. And in fact, those interdependencies can mean that when you actually put solutions in place, it changes the problem you were trying to solve in the first place. Right. So there is no real end point. And I think it describes the whole process of engagement really well, because there is no end point to it. It's something you're continually trying 
to work on and to make mm. a difference with. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is no right or wrong answer either. Mm. There is nothing mm. you can pull out of the box, however much no. we try, and go, here you go, do this, and you'll have staff engagement. Yeah, no, I mean, I so think you're right. I, I think, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, <laughs> please continue. We've hit, we've hit, the, uh, we hit the, um, the time lag with the um, transatlantic cable under the sea, obviously, at that point, I think, Caroline. But, um, yeah, no real endpoint. I mean, that's certainly one of the things that, that I often get frustrated by is this sense of engagement as a bit of a sort of something to tick off the list of things that need to be done. And, okay, well, we've done that now, so we can put that away in the drawer for another year. And it, it really isn't like that, is it? No. As you said, I mean, I'm no expert in this area. And when mm. I, I first came in, I thought, oh, it is one of these fairly straightforward. I will look for solutions. I'll find solutions. We'll embed and it'll be done. And but it will be done. Mm. <laughs> it, I now quite... see there is no end point. There's no end in sight. Oh. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you set the scene for our listeners then um, of, of the wicked problem as it, as it presented itself when you began this journey at, uh, at, at Glasgow Caledonian? Okay. Well, it started the whole project that I'm working on, which is called the Values Project within GCU, mm-hmm. which is the short short name for Glasgow Caledonian University. Right. Okay. Um, it started a few years before I joined the project, uh, when we had a large-scale reorganisation. You know, the sort of mm-hmm. thing you do in organisations every now and again, move yep. all the chairs around. Um, yep. And following that, we had a staff survey which showed really quite low levels of staff engagement. It sort of knocked the stuffing out of us, really. Mm-hmm. And the VC and the director of people at the time thought, well, we've got to do something about this. We've got to rebuild that engagement mm-hmm. and rebuild the relationship with our staff. So how do we go about doing it? And they selected values because of the research which suggested that there was a high correlation between organizations who had a shared um, set of values between their staff and the set of values in their organization as being a really good starting point. Mm-hmm. And the thing that triggered this was the nine, even though we'd got low levels of engagement, 90% of our staff believed in our mission. And GCU is a modern university but it has a long history and its Mm -hmm. motto is for the common wheel, which means for the common good. And our staff are passionate about doing things for the common good. So that was an excellent starting point. Right. So in order to build engagement, we realized we had to build that bridge between the mission Mm -hmm. and between the values. Mm -hmm. Did you have values at that point? Did, did, Did you have values at that point? We did, but hmm. to be honest, I was doing an international um, job at the time and had to recite them regularly, but they had very little relationship to my understanding of our mission, and very right. few staff actually knew what they were. Uh-huh. They were just okay. things that you had on the spreadsheet. Yes, yes. And, and, and the low levels of engagement, was that, did that come as, a, I mean, you say it knocked the stuffing out of you. I mean, I could, that's a very... That's a very um, it, you know, good phrase, I think, to, 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 to describe how you felt. And that, so that clearly was a surprise, was it? The low levels of engagement, I think, weren't a surprise by the time the measure was taken because mm. it had been a long and protracted re, um, 
when you're M- moving yeah. of the chairs around. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. yeah, it wasn't a surprise at the time, but I think it was no. a surprise that what we'd done had had that impact. Right. Yes, I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. So, so, and how? And you got involved how then, Caroline? Well, the first the first thing that um, the team just before I uh, came onto the project did was to take a couple of very key decisions, which was to go from a ground-up approach to mm-hmm. ask staff and to ask students what they thought um, the University for the Common Good looked like, how it behaved, what its values would were on mm-hmm. our best day. Okay. And they collated all this huge wealth of information. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then collated all of that into four values, which are now our values. Right. confidence, creativity, integrity, and responsibility. Mm-hmm. But they are just headings. I have to keep stressing this. The values, yes. the labels, are labels for a lot of deeper meaning that mm-hmm. underlies them. Yes. So we'd, yes. we'd got that far. We'd got the values. We'd got all of that data. And then it was, okay, well, we now need to embed this. We need somebody mm-hmm. to lead the project forward. Mm-hmm. And I just got to a point where I was available and mm-hmm. um, decided to take it on because it sounded very interesting. You didn't run fast enough. <laughs> I think I ran towards it because it, it <laughs> sounded like quite an intriguing challenge. Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, so what did you then, you, you've, got your, you've got the four values, confidence, creativity, integrity, responsibility. And as you say, yep. the, the label, the, the kind of the, the one word snapshot. Um, what did you then what did you then set out to do? Um, well, I think the first thing was, well, I sat down and went, okay, how do I do this? And as you said mm. at the beginning, I have no experience in this area. My background is psychology, it's human factors, but working with IT and senior management, it's a hodgepodge yeah. of right. things, but it is not anything to do with um, this type of project. Yeah. But I did know a lot about the workings of the university, uh, fairly well known within the university, and mm-hmm. as an academic, had the ability to talk across different communities. Right. Universities are a little bit, I, probably uh, like some other organisations, where you've got very different camps of people. So you need mm-hmm. somebody who can cross the bridges. And that's right. something I've done in all of my work. Okay. So we decided... Yes to go, what, what is it that we need to do? We've got our mission, we've now got mm-hmm. our values, but what does behaving in line with those values actually look like? And a lot in my first reading, I discovered quite a few organizations who'd come up with behavior statements, simple statements of what they mean by mm. those commonly used terms like integrity. I think mm-hmm. most organizations have integrity as a value. Mm. Well, they're very, but yes, in GPU, very common. Mm. Very common, but I think our interpretation of integrity is very different perhaps to uh, someone from the banking sector Mm -hmm. because under integrity for us, we have the behavior statement that we strive to make a positive difference in the world. Right. So for us, integrity is about living our mission, making a Mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was important to pin that down at the organizational level to start with, to actually say to our staff and to the wider world, GCU, this is how we will live our values as an organisation. And Caroline, can I ask you, how did you come up with those behaviours? Well, the first set of behaviours came from all of that rich data 
that our right. staff and our students generated. So mm-hmm. it was going back and having a look at what they said, collating mm-hmm. it down into into its essence. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there was there was one statement which actually came from our um, Mohammed Yunus, who was our chancellor at the time, mm-hmm. and I think I put it in there at the time, and everyone agreed with it because it's so summarised. One of our things under confidence uh, behaviour statement was believe that positive change is within our power to realise, and it was so powerful. Right. And it's so encapsulated yes. our mission that we yes. put that in there as well. Right. But the rest of it right. came directly from the staff and students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was a consensus. You developed a consensus yes. around them. Mm-hmm. And we used consensus in the next phase as well, because as a former head of department, I sat down and I looked at that. We produced a nice glossy one-pager with the mission, values, and behaviours on it for the organisation. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how, how can I use that? If I was a head of department, if I was a member of staff, how, how will I use that to embed our values? And realised mm-hmm. it was just too high level. Right. So did a little bit more research looking around and came across the work of Carolyn Norgate at Guy's and St. Thomas's Health Trust at the time. Mm-hmm. who had done a presentation on exactly the problem that we were trying to address, which right. is taking those values and making them real at the individual level and at mm-hmm. the um, manager level. She very, very kindly and her colleagues um, agreed to talk to us. And we, in the end, we adopted their approach, which um, they called the Behaviours Framework, which is an approach to taking those values down a level, again using mm-hmm. the consensus. So for, they had four levels, which I can't remember what they were now, but essentially all everybody, and mm-hmm. then the next layer of line management, and mm-hmm. then the layer above it, and the final, the top layer, the strategic layer. Right. We turned that into three. So we have people man, um, staff and students, people manager, yeah. and then our executive board. Right. Each layer has its own behaviours, okay. which are, which everybody has to do all of the staff and students' ones. Line managers mm-hmm. have those plus their own, and mm-hmm. executive board have all of them. So they, right. they get a, a lot to do. Right. But the process right. was very much, again, trying to write some behaviours as a starting point and then going out and doing lots of um, focus groups. We had online surveys for people to iteratively develop statements until we got a 70% consensus okay. on agreement as to that is how we should behave as a member of mm-hmm. staff or mm-hmm. as a people manager mm-hmm. or a member of EB. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it was, was... Sorry, can I just ask you a question? Was, was there... Because yeah, sure. um, obviously, as, as you said at the beginning, engagement scores were very low. Um, yeah. Was there a degree of as a result of those low levels of engagement, was there a, were you fighting a bit of a sort of cynical workforce that had to somehow be convinced that this was actually going to be more than just words on a page? Or was there a hunger that they sort of recognised, gosh, we've been listened to. Um, yeah, we want to get involved. Which, which, which of those was it? Or was it sort of somewhere in between? I was expecting resistance, and all I got was open doors. It was the second, most definitely the second. People were like, yes, this is what we want. This is what we need. Right. 
It was right. it was it was wonderful, and this is why it's been such a wonderful project to work on because yeah. um, it's something people do want, something they welcome. Mm. Mm-hmm. We 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 are too good at setting the what you should do, and not enough on the how you should do things. Yes, yeah. And so I certainly go with that, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it was perfectly okay. I mean, just to use an yeah. example, you could have a professor who, um, not that we do this sort of thing, but who <laughs> who got lots of money in, which is one of the roles of, of a research professor to win lots of money, but did so mm-hmm. in such an unpleasant way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were treading on people's fingers to do so. And yeah. that is not what we stand for as an organization. We right. want to make a difference. We want to bring income in. We want to be sustainable, but we want to do it in a very values-focused way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having that mechanism allows us to have that dialogue about the ways we should do things, mm-hmm. to push mm-hmm. back perhaps when the accountants say, you should be doing it this way because that's the most financially sound. Maybe we push back and go, no, because that means we can't live our values. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to take more of a risk in this direction. Maybe we won't gain so much money, but we are making a difference. Mm. Did it, how long did this process take? Because I can imagine, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, I'm with you all the way on the need for this and absolutely, um, you know, it plays very much to the uh, third engage with success enabler of, of tapping into employee voice and listening to employee voice. Yeah. And I, you know, professionally, I absolutely go with the idea that, and, and know this to be the case, that people are much more likely to engage with values and behaviours when they've had an opportunity to be involved in shaping them. But, um you obviously did go through quite a collaborative process to try and gain that consensus and got a really good level of agreement. Did it take, did it take a long time? It, I mean, it took a full year to go from our organisational behaviours to our individual behaviours and mm-hmm. quite a few iterations mm-hmm. um, during that time. But I think mm. it was worth it because yeah. every single one of those behaviours um, you know, has over 70% consensus on it. Yes. And yes. people and then- people do get that sense of ownership yeah and they call each other out when they're not delivering against them in some cases yes um and mm. i think that was one of the first uses I, I one of my union colleagues said that he'd found it particularly useful as as a sort of mediating have it on the table between right. you know two warring factions and actually talk about it and it yes. it, it made it easier to have the conversation because everybody mm-hmm. agreed with what was written down there. So mm-hmm. it was just finding a way of delivering on that. Yeah, well, it's interesting you should talk about your union colleagues, because obviously that's another another factor to kind of throw into the mix, isn't it, that, that sometimes can create a wicked problem, if you like. Um, yeah. But is, is, actually, they, so they, they came along with you. They came on Very the Very much. And I mean, it did... Mm. Before we set off on the long, you know, an expensive journey of developing the behaviours, I did take out the concept to colleagues across the university, including my union colleagues, and sort of mm-hmm. asked them their opinion. Did they think it was useful? And every single one, including my unions, were, were very keen that we should progress. So we started off knowing that it was going to be welcome. Yes, yes, excellent. All right, so we've got to a point where you've got your... You've got your values. You've got a range of behaviours that people have bought into and understand how they should behave depending on what, what level they are, what kind of roles they have within the within the university. 
What did you then do? We've we've got about ten minutes left. What? Tell us a little bit about what you then what you then did with this. How did okay. you, how I mean, did you use it? The, the next bit is, is, is like this is the start of the long journey. We got our yeah. lovely glossy behaviours statements. And I should just say there that these are aspirational behaviours. Mm-hmm. The behaviours aren't something we know we did do all the time, but we aspire to them. Got you. Yeah. So it's then how do we deliver those into the business? Um, the first thing is to have a look and see all of the – what does it mean by embedding? Embedding mm-hmm. means that we as an organization have to take decisions which reflect those values. It means we as staff and students have to live those. So how can we encourage that to happen? And I think the first thing we did was to have a look at the types of processes within people services. So for the um, induction processes and the recruitment processes, bringing new staff in, how could we make it clear that we were this type of organization and share that. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing, well, a, a parallel with that was looking at how people managers, heads of department could use them. And we mm-hmm. ran workshops to encourage them to share with each other and with us how that might happen. We said, this is an open problem. Join us in helping to solve it. Yeah. How do you think you can use these, um, these tools Mm-hmm. to develop teams, to develop individuals, and seeing it again from a very positive approach. How do we use this to make what we do well now better mm-hmm. and to do more of what we do well now? Yes. So, um, yeah, embedding it in our processes, as I said, mm-hmm. performance review, we now have it mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. We talked about how we might use it, as you uh, intimidated before, about managing challenging behaviors. Mm-hmm. Some of the most... Probably the most impactful, though, is about recognizing good practice. As part of that previous survey, staff were saying they didn't feel valued. They felt they were doing good stuff already, but they Mm -hmm. weren't recognized and it wasn't valued. So one of the things that we have done is is to do this sort of recognition exhibition once a year, where examples of good values-based behavior um, are nominated, Mm -hmm. and they're put onto posters, and we have an exhibition which lasts a week or 10 days, where everybody Mm -hmm. can come along and have a look at what the good stuff that's happening around the university is and who's doing it. And we turned it into a bit of a celebration. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important. I mean, that's a really key part of something like this, isn't it? But it's quite interesting that you talk about doing an exhibition and having posters. It's it's very true to the whole academic world, isn't it? Because that's that's how people present their papers, don't they? And... Um, exactly. They present their PhDs or their research or whatever as a poster, which they will then talk to. So it, it, yes. you're doing these things that maybe are done in other ways outside of your world, but you're making them true to your world. And I, and I think that's, that's the nature of, of any of this type of problem solving and any of the work that I've done before is trying to find that match between the environment in which you work mm. and the solutions. So it's got mm. to work for the people you're working with. Sure, absolutely. And I think the post the poster thing does work for the academics, but it mm. also works for the professional services as well mm. because of having that showcase. Yeah, um, yeah. Lovely. And you and do that every year. And we also have a big year. party. 
Okay, yes. yeah, of course. Of course, we are still in Glasgow. You've got to have a big party, she said. have a big party. Yeah. there last week. It's a, it's a very <laughs> sociable and a very friendly city, from my experience. So I'd be very surprised if you didn't have a party of some sort. Excellent. And and so people, that I'm imagining you've done surveys subsequently, which will show a shift on that score then in terms of that fairly negative feeling of, well, actually, we are doing stuff, but nobody's recognising it for us, to a, a much more positive um, level of, of feedback. So which I guess leads us on to, um, in the last five minutes that we've got, really, Caroline, to, to ask yeah. you, you know, do you think you're making a difference? Is it, is it working? How, how do you know if it is? Well, there's, there's two things. Yes, I think we're making a difference. Have we got any hard evidence that it is working? We have not enough because it's mm-hmm. so hard to measure. And I think if you look mm-hmm. at the literature, you can see we're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. We, did, we had feedback from our survey, the, the last survey that we did, that now 90% of staff believe our values and value our behaviours are a good guide. Mm-hmm. So we know we've done something there. We've seen yeah. a measurable increase in management participation in some of these events that we've been running. Mm-hmm. And when we our points of pride exhibition which is the exhibition we run over 70 percent of staff that we surveyed felt that this was a really good way to share and we we're not taking anything as as done and dusted we try to make improvements every year Mm -hmm. so we're hoping those figures will go up and up Mm -hmm. we've had say new leavers survey showed 80 percent of staff was positive about their experience here and on just and say the data is hard to get hold of but Mm. People have told me that they came and they joined GCU because of our values and oh, because right. of the behaviours and that since they've been here, they've seen that we are living them. And for mm-hmm. me, that was the most powerful expression of success. Absolutely. But we, we don't want to leave it there. We want the hard data because we recognise that the people who who, um, who spend the money need to, mm-hmm. need to have this. So our most recent activity is is about trying to devise a new survey instrument that will um, have the right questions in us in it to tap into what is it that is engagement for GCU mm-hmm. staff and students mm-hmm. and what, what changes can we observe in that over time, but more locally and more frequently than perhaps our four-year staff surveys used to give us. Right. Oh, right. It's every four years. Right. Okay. Yes. You need. Yeah. A, you need well, we a had bit we had survey, don't you? Mm. Yes. And also, also, as I said, it's such a wicked problem. There's so many variables. Mm. You want to mm. take your survey material down to the level at which change is, is happening, and yes. be able to see whether that change is having an impact. So you mm. can be more responsive. It's, mm. it's too slow. Yeah. Universities are you, like tankers. Yeah. And you're talking about how many staff? We're talking about, uh, we've got 1,600 staff. 1,600 staff, yeah, yeah. And 20,000 um, students. Mm. And, and the students are involved in this, well, they were involved in the initial. They, they're in involved the in the initial, they, they, this year they had their own exhibition oh, yeah, um, okay. of values-based behaviour and projects all linked to the common mm-hmm. good. And through, right. we've embedded the, um, the values into visibly through um, graduate attributes into the curriculum uh-huh. as well right right so Interesting. we really are we are really are serious about taking it right down into the, the heart of the organization yeah absolutely absolutely so it's not just restricted to the actual employees there at all and then thinking of your staff no. as the 
of the recipients of this. They, they have a commitment, they have a responsibility to live these values and, um, and help pursue the mission just as much as the academic and professional services staff. Yeah, yeah, we work yeah. as a team in that way. Interesting, okay. Um, Very powerful. So, yeah, very powerful indeed. And, we, and we've got a couple of minutes left, um, Caroline. So probably let's just close by, by asking you what, it's, yes, it's a journey with no end. It's a journey that's yep. iterative. Um, you are looking ahead. But if there was one thing that you would like listeners to sort of take away from your experience, given that you came to this not really knowing what you were doing, I don't mean that rudely, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, um, I think you're, you're <laughs> uh, right. What would, what would be the thing that you would want them to sort of learn from your experience? Um, don't let the fact you've no experience stop you. Um, right. it, it, I think it's a DIY approach. I'm a, I'm a keen DIYer. And mm-hmm. I think that characteristic is very useful um, when you're working with wicked problems. You may not be an expert, but there's plenty of useful resources and skills out there. Look out there, bring what you find and try it within yes. your organization. Some things will work, some things will won't, but that's fine. You know, you'd mm-hmm. learn by mistake, making mistakes or, or, or trying things. Mm. I mean, you, you guys, so, and, you, you put your head above the parapet and approached approached guys in St. Thomas's and said, can we talk, for example, didn't you? Yes. Yes. And, and they were very kind and said yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and I think we both benefited from that exchange. Mm. Yes. It's not so a one-way I, traffic, I, is it? That, no, because we can carry on the dialogue. I mean, I'm hoping that some of the things that we're doing will will benefit other organisations, guys in St Thomas's perhaps, or, or other organisations who've been part of that dialogue on the way, mm. because something we do has a resonance for them. Not everything yeah. will. There is but no something. single solution. You've got to try a lot of different Absolutely. things. Absolutely, and that's very clear. Caroline, we've run completely out of time. It's been lovely having you on. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to talk again at some point and see how further down the line you've got. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening, um, and, and goodbye. Thank you. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.